Bigger than Capes. Give me some silence. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Will. How you doing? Howdy. Um, uh, I'm good. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're all over each other already. Yeah, um, so the quality start. How you doing, buddy? Let's get this back online. I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I can't complain. It's yeah. things are what things are, and yeah. they are this. Still indoors, but we're close. I think we're close to the uh, the rule of six coming back in because worked last time, and and then we all know what happens. Live outdoor location podcasts with all the wind blowing the mics around and us trying to scream at each other, traffic going past. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, I I think we're going to have a good old time. Um, yeah, I'm going straight out for the barbecue. Wind, rain or shine, the first opportunity. I'm going to eat some partially cooked meat off a lukewarm slab of metal. I like to think this summer, Zach and Will's barbecue podcast. Yeah, as you say, full wind, full rain, full misery. We'll do like a YouTube show to double up with it so you can get the visuals. Yeah. Schadenfreude. Um, I'm looking forward to that already. Cracking. Me too. But let's let's do our usual back and forth catch up thing. You you've been you've been doing much. You've been reading some comics, watching some comics, like, like listening to comics <laughs> in America. I don't know. I've been trying to catch up on some of my uh, some of my stories, Zach. Some of my uh, online motion shows. Um, all of the like dumb sci-fi TV I watch, basically. So I've uh, been watching. I've started The Expanse finally. Oh, it's good, After- isn't it? I mean, it is good, and it was always good, but I'm glad to be back. I just like those characters very much, and uh, I think particularly Amos. Really, really warm towards Amos throughout. He's super interesting. Amos is good, and I think this season, season five? Five, yeah. I I think we, we see him in a different kind of scenario, and is interesting in a different way, and... That appeals to me a lot. I feel feel like we've seen a lot of him kind of with Holden and with Naomi. I think getting him like doing his own thing is a whole different kettle of fish. And I'm nearly back up to date with Snowpiercer season two. Haven't even started it. (laughs) Oh, it's got a lot more Sean Bean in it. I mean, it's never a bad thing, is it? That should be enough to draw you in. I think it's a show that will have a limited lifespan. Like, I don't think it should run, be one of those kind of indefinite running shows. Mm. But where it is at the moment, I'm enjoying it. I think maybe one more, two more series and then cap it off would be, would feel about right to me. But uh, yeah, digging it at the moment. That's cool. I, um, I'll definitely get to it at some point, inevitably. I, I like those kind of bottle scenarios where you know, everybody's stuck in one place for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a few good ones. Making that a train at the end of the world is it's a pretty cool place. It's definitely a different place to be, you know. 
I um, I feel like I've gone in a completely different direction with what I'm watching at the moment. And against all the odds, I'm watching um, Friends from College, which was something I was going to watch like two years ago because occasionally Netflix comedies appealed to me. And um, of course. I just didn't. I um, I left it two years. I think it's only two seasons long. And I decided to um, come back to it and actually watch more than one episode because I don't know. Why, why not? It's uh, How is it doing for you? I think if it wasn't for the cast, I wouldn't be here. So, like, it's Keegan-Michael Key, Kobe Smulders, Fred Savage. It's... It is a good cast, but yeah. it's kind of... There are more actors, I just have... Life's too short. Um, <laughs> it is a good cast doing this kind of, hey, you know, we've been friends since college and we're still friends and should we be? And I'm not sure it's good, but the cast are keeping me there. And every now and again, there's like a, a legit laugh out loud moment to like make me think it's worthwhile, you know? I mean, I absolutely get that. There are plenty of shows that I've probably watched longer than they than they deserved being watched. Um, I think we, me and my better half, finished Superstore, or at least what's oh, available yeah. of Netflix. And I, to be honest with you, I think I sort of lost interest by around the end of the third season. And, Definitely uh, right. I, yeah, I think we're, and then we're halfway through season five and could it's not care less. The, I don't think it's a show that um, should be binged. I don't think it's, it's. I don't think it was really made for it. And when you watch too many of them together, it just merges into one one real mess of American sitcom. Yeah, I think if I was getting it on a weekly basis for five years with season breaks, I, I think I would be like more into it and more forgiving. Um, there's some really like interesting and well-intentioned stuff and i think kind of when they get into all the union stuff and I kind of got very little negative to say about it like it is funny and yeah. it is ple- and it is pleasant and like you say it's also well-meaning and um it's quite like it's sort of inclusive and and has all those yeah like it, it takes stuff. a lot of good boxes don't be wrong it's just too much of the same for too long yeah definitely and i think there is a shelf life on that. Nice. You're welcome. Um, I think. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think season five is is hard. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to finish because, yeah, we like binge watch three seasons and then four and five have been slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I just don't think I'm watching it the right way. I don't think any of us are. No, but I flicked on an episode of Parks and Rec the other day and just remembered how divine that show is. And uh, yeah, it sort of makes everything just so pale in its comparison. I I actually only found out the other day that The Good Place was made by the same people as Parks and Rec and suddenly everything kind of adds up in my mind. Um, you know, I've never watched it. Is it, is it worth a watch? Definitely, yeah. It's it's good, good stuff. It doesn't outstay its welcome, and it's ridiculous. So also okay. Ted Danson. So, well, yeah, Ted Danson. Um, Ted Danson. Uh, you know, Marta hasn't seen Parks and Rec, so maybe 
Maybe. It's really great. I mean, it, it's one of those shows, and I hate it when people say this to me, but it gets really good from the second season. I don't think the first yeah. season's bad, but it's it just it's forming the characters, and they're not quite there. And then season two, perfect. Nails it. Yeah, see, season one's very much finding its feet. I'm don't worry. I'm glad I've seen all of it, and I I had I had someone a couple of years ago tell me that the best way to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer is to just skip season one, mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, um, not going to do that because what? But <laughs> what what mad world would it be where you just skip a season and just go, no, no, I'll start season two, episode one, thank you, I'll figure it out myself. It's like. Why? Well, I mean, you and I as well uh, share, particularly in our comics reading, the the notion that we must read all and really start from the beginning of something. And it's a bit of a compulsion, I think, for both of us. And I'm sure that, that goes over to television as well. But yeah, I used to work with somebody who just picked up Game, Game of Thrones at like season five or so. It's just like, I just watch it from there. I watched I just three think, seasons of Game of Thrones in a week to catch up, damn it. Uh, absolutely. And I just yeah, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how you can enjoy that or why it's worth your while to have part of a story. Like the, the enjoyment for me is the full arc where it starts, how it changes and where it ends is a story. I am deeply upset that you know someone who thinks that like Game of Thrones is like a midpoint jumping on series. It's not like The Simpsons, is it? It's not like it doesn't matter what you've missed. No, I mean it was somebody in my defence who I who I worked with. It wasn't. Uh, it's not someone I keep as a close friend. And not someone you'll be further associated with. <laughs> no, distancing myself now from that notion. Um, but yeah, no, I I think we we are very similar. The comic book thing is obviously a problem, and yeah, I I can't I can't skip a full season or something. Now. It, and the reality is, if I if I hate that season enough to not watch season two, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. But uh, yeah, jumping in the middle of stuff, I mean that is weird, isn't it? Because in comics, like you have to do that a lot. Yeah, especially with the with with the old Marvel and DC stuff, you're kind of heavily dependent on the idea that you haven't read it all. Um, I've always found it odd when indie comics do the whole like, hey, start here, it's okay. It's like, I don't feel like it's going to be okay, man. I... <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, when indie comics do jump on points, they're like, we've we've only got like 10 other issues out. I'll but it's okay, them. just start here. Start issue 11, <laughs> you'll be... It's like Valiant do it all the time. Valiant, they used to do it more, used to do this like new arc, new jumping on point. It's like... There's like three trades. It's not like I have to read from 1960 and through to now. I can just, I, I can handle 12 issues. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. But then I get, I guess you can't print everything that you can't print single issues and be like, start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Don't, <laughs> instead of buying this now, buy the, buy the one that, we don't make money off anymore. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. It really I, I doesn't think, work as a business model. If I start making comics, and let's be honest, probably some point, that's, yeah. that's the road we're on. Um, yeah, I'll, I, I'll probably I, just turn out to be a really great artist and never knew. And uh, <laughs> I, I think I am going to run with, uh, hey, start at the beginning. as like a 
banner for the top of every issue just like just just in case you were wondering like mm-hmm. don't start here go, go home get on comiXology order it off ebay i don't care do not <laughs> start at issue four damn it but I, I think that has been answered as well i think a lot of the newer emerging companies are doing mini series or much more contained volumes tko especially um but similarly i think vault have certainly like running series but often rarely more than three trades or so um that that could be true i can't think of any vault series that's longer than three trades uh so i think yeah I, i like knowing that there is a story that i can finish i like that safety net which I feel like is something that we have covered before. But oh, absolutely. It's, it's nice to, you know, play the hits every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you, want to, uh, do you want to do any news? Uh, I have a surprisingly small amount of news this week and kind of news that's a bit of a downer. So we'd, initially, we'd previously been super excited about a vault title, which was Radio Apocalypse, which was meant to come out, I think. I, I, mixed reports. I've heard people say the 7th of April, and I've heard people say the 24th of April. Um, and it's been pushed back to October, which is it's a, a, bummer. It's a long goal time. It's, it's had a major knock-on effect because I'd already started planning the April roundup. And that, that was that was it. They were just going to talk about that for an hour. Yeah. Um, well. So yeah, that that's been a bit of a that's a bit of a downer. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I um, they've done all the stuff that everyone always does, where they're like, yeah, but it'll be an even better comic because of it. And it's like I'm sure it might be, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Um, I think, like you say, if it if it needs the time to be better, then good. I think really, it's probably covid related in it it's yeah most I, the answer i know when i spoke to rom v last year um he talked about kind of problems in mumbai and obviously collaborating like london to mumbai with covid Real i can see tough. that yeah i can see that there must be the obvious problems across that so yeah um I don't, I don't know. I, I could read some articles and there's probably more information about the actual reasons, but I would assume that that's the one. And if it's not, well, do some fact checking and don't just take, don't take my word for it, guys. <laughs> can Google just as hard as I can. Absolutely. That was my main bit of news. I've got other stuff. Um, inevitably, that's a word we don't get to say a lot with news. No. Uh, Matt Kint and Keanu Reeves's Berserker. Berserker. Is... Can you believe it? There's going to be a movie and an anime. The only surprise is that it happened this way round, is that it started as a comic before becoming much, much higher selling media. (laughs) It's one of those where it's like, so the the comic co-written, co-written by Keanu Reeves with the protagonist that looks like him, I bet he's going to be in it as well. I mean, yeah, it, 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 with that and the Mark Miller thing, I'm both sort of equally excited and a bit worried. On the one hand, anything that brings these kind of smaller brand comics to a wider audience that then may decide to explore further 
into the like world of comics i think could be a good thing mm. on the other hand it feels like comics are now just becoming storyboards for netflix shows and the, the potential exploitation that that could be that the comic is just made to simply legitimize it as a comic book adaptation yeah and it's it's interesting to me because i i know there's been a lot of backlash about the the kickstarter campaign happened to fund the trades for berserker and then the singles have come out anyway before the people who kickstarted it have had any rewards and then i'm seeing it from the the, from the point of view of the people who are just reading the comic who are going hey this is really good and it's like well it's it's matt kent it's gonna be um (laughs) and i i think it's interesting that we're seeing like both sides play out in real time and like people using kickstarter are appalled obviously and people who don't know about that and just wanted to read berserker are super into it and it's like it's rare that you get to i'm i'm neither yeah i decided not to back it because when i i think i saw it like a couple of days into the campaign and they were like a couple of hundred percent over where they needed to be to fund it Mm-hmm. so decided it was probably an inevitability and i haven't read the singles yet and yeah yeah i feel i feel in a really weird space seeing like both sides yeah reacting and and now i don't mind people like making money you know i think for matt kit yeah. being a co-writer on the comic i assume means there's some royalties from the inevitable film and anime oh yeah of course um, and that's that's great for him because, as we both know, like comics is not <laughs> not a blingy world. Uh, so, if you can turn some of your properties into into gold, then go for it. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I've got I I know we're both big Matt Kent fans, and I think he's been killing it with indie series for years. Let's be honest. Um. So yeah, I, I I think he deserves to make some money from comics and from adaptations and deserves some attention. And I think, um, whilst I, I understand the frustration if you back this on Kickstarter and then it's coming out as singles and everything else, and I, I can get that, I think you've got to appreciate that some part of you... Okay, no, all right. Some people who've backed it on Kickstarter have probably backed it because they're Matt Kint fans and Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves is incidental. And I, I like to think that those people will appreciate that it's good for Kint's career. And, you know, yeah, it's good. But, yeah, I don't know. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't resent anybody for making money out of it. I guess my overall concern is not with the individual property, but is it just something that's going to drive the bubble to burst? Like, the more you make of these, inevitably, the cheaper and worse they get, as other people and other studios want to put out their version and then their version. And superheroes are already down that alley. Like, I yeah. think there are some very poor facsimiles of what marvel and i'm going to be fair sometimes dc can produce (laughs) but um but i think when you start getting into the indie comics which in many ways reflect television anyway there's not a huge amount of difference between a sci-fi comic and a sci-fi tv show uh broadly i just don't want them to all get eaten up into the machine 
I, I like comics as a medium on its own, and I don't I don't want it to just become. It's already pretty secondary to a lot of the other big mediums, and uh, I just don't yeah. want to get more devoured. I think. I think it's interesting as well because we we obviously see things almost in parallel here because me and you have been looking back at a lot of. 90s films that happened because of Batman 89. So we talked about The Shadow and we talked about um, The Phantom. The Phantom, yes. Um, we've also had Angela's history lessons on Valiant and how if you, <laughs> uh, you know, and if you mine things for ideas, it can be a horrible mistake. And I think that's a similar kind of thing. It's like, whilst, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoyed The Shadow and I enjoyed The Phantom and there's other 90s films that happened, like The Crow. The Crow is a great example, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we get some great films from the comic book being successful in adaptations, but I think it's it's an awkward place when comics happen to make the films, and it, it doesn't feel like... There are a bunch of places you can cast Keanu Reeves as a superhero. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's also the like figurehead of a video game. Yes, I don't know. Keanu's having a weird old time right now. I think his uh, his kind of tickets come up, hasn't it? I think John Wick um, sort of really reinvented his career, and then with Bill and Ted three maybe coming out at some oh, stage, yeah. and being in a video game, and now being in a comic, I just think his uh, his popularity has never been quite so blooming. Even I think during the Matrix days. Mm. I think now he just seems everybody's sort of Hollywood sweetheart. And it's strange because, all right, I, I'm a Bill and Ted guy, as we all know. So Me too, I've, I've been a Keanu fan for probably too long, but was everybody else not? Is this like a recent, it, it's, it feels like everyone's new to the Reeves game. And I feel it's, yeah, it's think, weird to me. I think there's been a long period of, uh, of anti Keanu and, I think it's time to stop. <laughs> well said. Well Thank said. you. <laughs> um, so from, from the, um, the weird side of Kickstarter, should we progress to the positive side of Kickstarter or have you got some more news up your sleeve? No, let us progress. So both myself and William here backed a Kickstarter at some point last year. I don't remember when. Um, from A Wave Blue World, which are a publisher that deal broadly entirely in anthologies. I couldn't put my... I couldn't say that for certain. It's certainly everything I've got from them has been in anthology form, but... Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with that they're the anthology guys right now. And um, a couple of years ago, they did a Kickstarter for a book called All We Ever Wanted, which was a sci-fi anthology that was all about you know kind of positively looking towards the future um and last year they did a kind of spiritual sequel to that which is called maybe someday stories of promise visions of hope and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today um there is i'm trusting will to be able to count here there are 27 stories to go at in this one by my last count I'm not going to do it again for you now. So that's um, now truth. <laughs> if there are more and we're getting this wrong, sorry, uh, tweet us, comment on Instagram. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's 27. Counted them again. <laughs> I did it. Um, some fast counting. That's what you're here for, Will. My insecurity um, got the better of me. But there are some. There is a good, good selection of creators in on this book. I think that is mm. something we can both agree on. Um, if I could scroll to the right page, I would tell you who those creators are. Um, so the names that jumped out to me and got me backing a book I was already going to back, let's be yeah. honest. Um, uh, so we've got Dan Kibblesmith, mm-hmm. um, Michael Moretti, Moretti, Moretti. I've always gone for Marecki, but hey, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm the guy to ask. No, well, neither of us are. We're, we're terrible <laughs> with names. Um, Stephanie Phillips, mm-hmm. Zo- Zoe Thorogood, uh, Natasha Alterici, who we actually discussed a book by in January and said that we would be back for anything else she did. And here we are. And uh, equally, Aubrey Citizen, who we discussed No One Left to Fight. Someone did. I did with uh, that other guy that comes on the show sometimes. What's he called? Uh, Michael. Uh, Mad Mad Dog. No. Mad Dog Michael. That is it. Yeah, that's Mad Dog Michael. Our co-host, Mad Dog Michael. No, <laughs> with Matt, um, we discussed <laughs> Aubrey Citizens. No one left to fight. There are a lot of other good creator names in there, and I'm. I'm willing to admit there are people here I did not know who I am now glad that I do know. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, interviewee Joe Glass as well. Also um, Max Bemis. Max Bemis, who we covered another book by only a couple of weeks ago, which was Savage Number 1. Oh, yeah. But yeah. point being, really good lineup. Yes. Re- really good lineup. And I, I think we both have a soft spot for anthology books i think we've mentioned it in the past mm-hmm. um i think we both missed a wave blue world's previous kickstarter for all we ever wanted but yeah, i think we've, we... we've both picked it up now um yeah. and i'm i'm glad i have I, I i read it a couple of weeks ago i know i don't think you have yet but it's good no absolutely i've been uh i mean in the same real context i've been reading a lot of 2000 ad and judge dread uh, okay yep yeah. Um, and they're, they're like the polar opposite of this, just the grimmest version of uh, the grimmest future, future society. Yeah. Um, but I, I've gone through a bit of a sci-fi anthology stint. I read the Stairway anthology from Image a couple of months ago. Um, I also picked up some of the Vertigo one shot kind of anthologies they've done over in the past. I've got Time Warp and Strange Adventures on comicsology which are from 2011 and 2013 so um a bit of a deep dive they've probably done some that are more recent than those that i've just not read i don't know what my point was no i I think anthologies on the whole i think was where you were running um but yeah no i like i like the little once and done stories that when they revolve around quite a simple message but i mean particularly in this book express that message in often a pretty interesting and very nice to look at way. Yes, I agree. It's a bit of a mangling of the English language, but hey. That's what we're here for. Change is constant. Well said. <laughs> Something I feel we, we may have discussed beforehand, but we're going to approach this of, of picking five stories each from this, from this book. Yes, I, I was going to get onto this. I just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. Um, have you actually ordered them? 
I've picked five, but I've not necessarily put them in order. As it happens, no. I've, no. I, I, I listed five in the order they appear in the book. I did not order those five in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I want to. Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy for us to just, like, hit five stories that are, are our top five in no particular order. Yeah, these five stood out to me, but there, there isn't a bad story in this book. No, and let's be honest, this could equally be our, you know, top 27. Or, sure. <laughs> or, or whatever number. I know when I messaged you about this earlier today, it was like, hey, I have a top 12 list. How, how's your top five going? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm happy to start wherever you kind of want to start. Do you want to go kind of one for one? And I think that's the right way around to do it. Um, I'll kick it off if you like. Confident, uh, like that. Because my first pick is the very first story of the book. Ah, it's called, I see what you did there. Yeah, it's called The Invasion. It's written by Ryan Cady, art by Mike Fian, and letters by uh, Troy Pateri. It's the seeming story of these two robots uh, after the human race has gone from Earth, and these two robots are left to sort of be the caretakers. And as that's happening, an alien invasion approaches the Earth. And it seems very, like, typical of a, of a kind of apocalypse story. Mm. And then every twist is just a really positive twist. Like, the aliens arrive, and instead of coming to conquer, they've come to try and meet humanity because they are so obsessed with the art and culture that humanity has managed to produce. Just real big fans they needed to meet them before they became extinct and then you find out they're not extinct we just left humans are out there somewhere still you know doing art (laughs) (laughs) um this was very nearly on my list i'm not gonna lie um it's it's really good i like that these kind of robot custodians um have just got like ipad screens for faces with really basic emoji yeah, emoji expressions or little bits of punctuation. Like, uh, I love that in Descender. Yes. And I love it here too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but this is a really cool start to the book. Um, I don't know why I couldn't find the, the word there. Book. Um, there's, there's some good artwork. I like that we get like the classic alien invasion over all the major monuments yeah. type thing. Um, the the yeah the like constant constant swerves that the aliens are nice the aliens just like us kind of kind of reassuring because you know there are times when I think we might suck but oh absolutely but no I like that it acknowledges the positive parts of uh, kind of humanity and it's a real celebration of pop culture I, yeah one of the robots is collecting. Uh, little trinkets but they all turns out to be toys and uh, figurines and posters and comics and games and <laughs> all sorts of stuff i mean i don't know how they got away with this i assume they just sort of balls the licenses and decided to do what they want yeah everything's close enough but not quite um there's there's some great stuff though we get a panel of a alien painting a painting of bob ross painting yeah 
and which is immediately then followed by a Planet of the Apes stage show and an alien listening to Run DMC on his eye. Well, it looks like an iPod, let's be honest. And yes, good stuff. Yeah. Good, good stuff. They're just excellent little references to, to pop culture. And like I say, like there's Batman in it. Uh, we get some Picard. Uh, like you say, Run DMC are named. I don't know how they... <laughs> Can you imagine putting any of this into a, like a Marvel book? Never stand, but I like their audacity. I, I incidentally, I remember being at a panel with Kieran Gillen where he talks about how he got away with using known music in like New Avengers by making sure all the lyrics were slightly wrong. <laughs> so um, maybe that's what this is. You know, it just it doesn't look enough like Picard, and it's not quite Batman. I don't know. It reminds me of Sex Criminals and is it Big Bottom Girls that? Um, yeah, and they like put post-its over it, and they were hoping to fix it by the trade, and they never cleared the rights. Yeah, and it never happened. So the trade is slightly different, but is still still all same, covered. Same up. jokes, and it's still funny. Yeah, it's still good. Um, incidentally, Fat Bottom Girls might be one of the best Queen songs. Just gonna, it's a great tune. Queen have a good old raft of them, though, eh? I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of like Queen's thing that they were yeah, quite just they were quite good they were, they were um, pretty good yeah um for, for more hot takes on uh, classic rock <laughs> <laughs> but the invasion uh it's yes great really really great opener and i think sets the tone really nicely for the rest of the book it is very light-hearted and al- although the art is like really detailed and nice it's not overly cartoony it's still it's pretty colourful and it's sort of inviting to look at. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's quite good and quite. I don't know. I, I don't know what the words are I want for this art. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, I'm, I'm a terrible podcaster. Um, it kind of manages to capture like the terror of the in- oncoming invasion and then still maintains that it is funny enough in the next panel almost immediately. And mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know what? It's just good all around art. I can, I could see this in a lot of different books and yeah, definitely. hopefully we will. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's a great advert for the artist. Yeah. And I think that's, that is something that is true throughout this anthology. I think there is arguably no bad art. I think it's all, a great like taster for what you could get more of but yeah art is good writing is good concepts is good cracking opener what's your uh, what's your first pick so my first pick is alice in wonderland which is different mm-hmm. <laughs> um so it's the story of i think 12 we're told 12 dreamers who mm-hmm one day never woke up and ultimately reshapes the earth in their image. Sort of dream image. So it's nuts, I think is the correct, mm-hmm. correct term for the world we get. It's just a bit surreal, but in kind yeah. of a adorable way. We've got minotaurs wearing kilts. We've got... <laughs> We've got guys with cameras for heads. We've got 
who I'm pretty sure buildings. was a dog. Yeah, there's definitely a I mention. Think, I think that guy might have been a dog. But it, it was written by um, Eric Palicki. Oh, yeah. By I, Sally I Jane Thompson. This. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> and letters by Matt Cro- uh, Crotzer. Um, it is a much more kind of cartooning style, isn't it, than, than uh, The yeah. Invasion? Or probably most of the book, I think it is one of the more sort of sh- short of anime, but get Yeah, so- somewhere in that, maybe, you know what, maybe we're in more of a like Shira Kipo kind of Yeah, absolutely, space. That that kind of look. Which is um, entirely my space, to be fair. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think part of the reason I wanted to run with this is like top of the list or, well, appearing top of my list mm-hmm. is that I don't think there's another story in this book that is like this. I think there's some similarities between a lot of the others. Yeah. And this is real different. And this is a lot more fantasy than sci-fi, I would argue. Yeah. I like the way it's portrayed as well. Like the, the fact that she's in a dream, her clothes just change sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Inexplicably. I mean, everything just changes sometimes I think is. Yeah. I think she even says like last week, for instance, Jerry's head was a toaster and Tucker was a cat. <laughs> um, which is good. And I like, I think I'm always attracted to stuff that's dream based because I was super into Sandman, um, which then led me in a, a direction of reading all the Sandman forever and all the tie-ins. And then reading, I, re- I checked out Queen of Bad Dreams a couple of years ago from Vault, which was yep. dream-based as well. So I, I think I am a sucker for anything that gets away with like ridiculous dream logic. Ridiculous and- dreams. I'll tell you what, maybe not uh, perhaps our podcast listeners don't care, but if you ever get the chance, the film Hourglass Sanatorium, Okay. I think, I think it's a really old, perhaps Polish film, but it is a, it's the closest thing I've ever seen to watching a dream. It's really, <laughs> really insane. Okay. That is, that is a hell of an advert. So I'll <laughs> check, check that I'll out. I'll look into that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was nice. I thought the twist at the end was nice and the. It's we, classic sci-fi anthology, isn't it? To just have the last bit is just the rug being pulled out from under you. Yeah, it, it does feel very much like that kind of future shocks, like last minute, here's the swerve. Yeah. What are you going to do now? Um, and I'm all for it. I think it works. I think it's an, a nice ending. I'm not going to give this one away. Um, no, I think that's worth saving. And I, I, I think this is fun ridiculous and adorable i think that that's my like yeah that, that, them are the words i'm associating with alice in wonderland they're the boxes you tick in also pun name five stars yeah <laughs> give me a pun name and i'm yours <laughs> right should i do my next one yes which if i'm right in what your next one is are we just doing this like in the order these stories appear now it would appear so, so far, yeah. Uh, I think I've written my list in that order. I think that's how I went through the book in order and picked yeah, out my yeah. story. So, yeah, this should work. Uh, but, yeah, my next one is the immediate next story after Alice in Wonderland, Support Animals. Uh, it is written by Jono Diner, 
The line art is by Sebastian Perez, colours by Sean Struble, and letters by Jim Campbell. Apologies in advance for everybody's name. It's probably awfully offensive. Um, but it's a really great comic. It's the story of a man who is seemingly so depressed he's prepared to uh, commit suicide, end his life, until his um, cat talks reason into him, uh, talks him literally down off the ledge, takes him out for a walk where he finds that other people's pets are talking to him and (laughs) I assume their owners. I guess. Um, (laughs) And that shows him that he's not kind of alone in the world with his, his feelings and his emotional state. And it results in him eventually beginning the kind of road to recovery. Yes. Yeah. By the end of the story. I think first off, like, I think it's a really, really good depiction of depression. It is definitely. I think that sense of just, hopelessness and like pointlessness mm-hmm. are really prevalent i think that the uh, does the cat have a name <laughs> he does doesn't he definitely got a name i feel like he must yeah victor victor, victor victor's advice is really good advice like it's not it's not playing around for the joke like Vic, victor provides serious and sensible advice yeah, I, I think I told myself I wasn't going to go to this place, but I have to. Um, I in advance, in advance, Will. I am sorry, but All Star Superman. Go on. <laughs> it's regularly cited to me by friends, strangers, anthropomorphic shark people whoever everybody it's like an agreed upon opinion that the scene where the goth kid is going to jump off the building and they don't believe that their therapist is running late and superman swoops in to go hey you know it's going to be okay your therapist is really running late and everyone always cites this as like this is amazing and this tells you how good superman is and uh, this is the like you know this is the highlight of this book mm-hmm. and as someone who's been depressed i could not disagree more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the take on it that a single moment can change a person's entire emotional state, particularly through a mental illness, like a genuine mental yeah. illness. What I really like about this book, coming coming sternly away from All Star Super. <laughs> no, my entire point was going to be. This is everything that people think that scene in All-Star Superman is. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What I really, really like about it is it has a positive end. Um, At the end, our main character, whose name be Nathan. He's called Nathan. Nathan is the man. Once he's been out and he's seen other people's uh, animals, which are obviously um, metaphors for kind of subconscious or a kind of yeah i I think subconscious i don't think you need to really know but it's it it, (laughs) yeah there's definitely some greater connection but it ends on a positive note broadly but it also ends in such a way that it acknowledges um that the character isn't fixed 
and that there would there will yeah. be an ongoing sort of uh, process for him and he just ends the book say with the cat saying tomorrow we'll call a therapist sound good <laughs> and i really like the fact that he doesn't just go and his cat made him better yeah he cheered I, up <laughs> for a book with talking animals mm-hmm. i i feel like this does feel very real and you say that as if a book with talking animals is in any way a negative <laughs> no no don't no, 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 i talking animals all day but talking oh. animals in a book that then feels realistic is I oh think, yeah uh, that's a weird space to live in but i'm okay with it um and I guess it's that delicate balance that it doesn't need to be Victor the cat that says all these things to Nathan. No. But it works that it is. And if it isn't a talking cat, I guess this isn't really a sci-fi book. <laughs> I suppose not. <laughs> and, I think, and, yeah, I don't know. It's one of the stories I think that gets its message across most clearly. Yeah. And, and anyway. there, there are a few stories in maybe someday that, have a very like clear message with with like no hesitation and it's like hey here's the message and i i I don't think any of them struggle to tell the story they're trying to tell or struggle to tell the message at least um but i think this is a good message and i think this is an important message and completely agree also talking cat that also manages to tuck him in which is oh victor a little I, beauty. I wish my cat could learn such skills. Instead, he just focuses on making me bleed. I wish my cat provided any form of kind of emotional support. She'd be <laughs> a really crap support animal. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to go on for your choice, buddy? Your next one? Yes, and I, I assure you there will be no All-Star Superman from here on out. <laughs> uh, I hope. Um, so... Funnily enough, my second pick is the next story in <laughs> maybe someday. I feel like we've hit a real patch here. I don't know if this carries. I don't think this carries on after this. But... No, I think there will be a, a, a little gap, but um, at some point. But yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my next pick is Empathy for the Devil, which is by written by Renfamous, arted by Josh Hood. Um, coloured by Chris Sotomayor with flats by Paul Heskell and lettered by Taylor Esposito, who I don't know if he's my favourite letterer, but he does have my favourite name of a letterer. Yeah, it's a really fun name to say. Um, Yes. Um, More about the book, you ask. (laughs) (laughs) So this story kind of follows the trial of a man by the name of benjamin banks who he's been in court a lot he's done a lot of bad stuff and um you know i think they're listed on they are listed so you know he's uh, aggravated harassment violation of a no contact order and um throwing a power cell into someone's windshield um (laughs) and (laughs) classics all, all all in all which have kind of you know got him that he should go to jail but instead, they're going to punish him by making him wear Google glass. Yeah, futuristic Google <laughs> glass, much like we've seen in uh, Friendo, that will allow him to see kind of other people's stories, I guess. So kind of... Yeah, sort of statuses. 
yeah, see what's happening with them, kind of personal journal entries that they can add so that he will be punished with forced empathy, I guess is the correct way to describe it. Yeah. And we'll suddenly be aware if people are in debt and if people are struggling with life, mm-hmm. as many of us are. Um, and in return, everyone will also be able to see what's going on in his life. Or Indeed. not going on in his life. Well, yeah, yeah, as the case turns <laughs> out. Um, but again, much like we said with the book we just talked about, Support Animals, mm-hmm. I, I think there is a good message here. And maybe not the same kind of message, but a message that I think people overlook that everybody is going through something. Yeah. I also just think broadly the idea of empathy being a punishment for a crime seems like an incredibly like utopian idea. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to punish you with compassion, baby. Get ready. <laughs> You're going to feel so good. It's a really good move. I'm not going to lie. And I think. But I like the way that it also kind of works. Yeah. And I, I think even in these like what, like five pages, maybe slightly more. There's slightly more, eight pages maybe, ten pages. We do see kind of the effects that it immediately has on old Benjamin Banks, mm-hmm. who does seem like he is kind of the worst. Oh, he, he does come across as absolutely the worst. But upon kind of losing his temper with a stranger and then sees her kind of, like, like you say, her little update, her little story. Yeah. And... It's kind of crappy, and he immediately then grows some empathy. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, it's a little bit of an immediate turnaround, but I think that coupled with kind of other people commenting on how perfect his life appears to be, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a a good brief progression there. I feel like this could be part of a much larger story. This could mm-hmm. almost be like the opposite of friendo in a way yeah the sort of positive friendo i mean it, it, there is that slight question maybe this is baked into me from my many years of dystopian sci-fi it feels like it leans into technology is the answer yeah and we get that kind of like um jules verne hg wells argument of is technology going to be what kills us all or is it a really good thing and we can live under the sea in a giant submarine? Yeah. That was a very specific example, but (laughs) (laughs) hopefully though, I look forward to that. Um, But also I thought the, the last bit when he, he looks at his, um, his little story and because he's not engaged with this empathy machine at all, like he's got nothing. Yeah. And I see that as him, like that's his clean slate. That's his opportunity yeah. to rewrite who he is and stop being a, a D bag. I, I think that's definitely fair. And I think for quite a simple story, I think there's quite a lot to like here and a lot to make you think. Mm-hmm. Zach out. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, so my next one isn't immediately the next one. Damn, we're on such a good roll. Um, that's not to say that the ones in between aren't 
excellent. Um, oh yeah, th- there's some good stuff in between. Um, I think is it the first person that's next? First person's re- was really great. I uh, I really enjoyed. Yeah, very very close to being on my list. It's it's definitely on my top twelve list. I thought a dangerous lesson was was pretty good. That had nice art in it. Yeah. Um, unwritten, I thought is one of the like one of my favourite art. Yes. Uh, pieces in the book. I must say, I didn't really. I kind of grasped the overarching point, but I'm not sure how the the uh, dialogue boxes and the art actually correspond. That that was the the only thing that kept unwritten off my out of my top five is I I like I think the narration is good. It's mm-hmm. good, good narration, and I think the art is good. I'm just not sure how much they complement each other. I feel like it's two good things happening side by side rather than together as we've seen with like, well, all the stuff we've talked about so far. Yeah. So uh, slightly funny on that one, but enjoyable nonetheless. And then the one immediately after it, four things that made 6103 extra up wowsicle. I, I could look at this for another 12 hours as I have done last night and I still don't know if I'd have the answers. I'm not sure there are. <laughs> it's just a one-page, four-panel comic of complete absurdity. And it looks amazing. <laughs> I I wonder, and I thought this when I read it. I, I say read it when I looked at it. I wonder if there's like, am I going to wake up like in a cold sweat and be like, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> Is that... <sighs> Mellishing the froob, of course. <laughs> now I get it. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't. I don't know. Will um, God? I hope I do. I hope it is like an immediate revelation. I'm like, oh my god, I understand. It's wild. I mean, it it looks and feels a lot like an acid dream, and I Good thoroughly, fit. thoroughly enjoyed it. But I get on to my next pick. Yes. Sorry. My next pick <laughs> is fifty percent solution. Is written by Robert Lee, art by John McFarlane, colours by Oliver Mertz, and letters by Taylor Esposito. Our he's, guy. He's back, baby. Go on, In Taylor. a big way. Um, and the, the premise of this book is that they've found a second Earth um, in a different... Earth in, in 2. A, Earth 2.0, in an alternate reality that is seemingly been abandoned or perhaps the original indigenous life has died out because there are definitely signs of uh, cities and, and society but there's no one else there so earth one um is at the very peak of population mm-hmm. um so elect to move 50 percent of people to earth two to be like pioneers from the old west and kind of start again yeah i think the premise initially is just really cool like uh the idea of frontiering but on an entirely new earth an entirely new planet that is structurally identical to our own but empty and new i just think is a very cool area to run in yeah definitely i feel i felt like there was some um some expanse vibes in this you know that is it season four where they go mm-hmm. through the ring and they find the planet and they're like hey this is this is okay we could live here N- not entirely the same but 
There's something fascinating about exploration, though, isn't there? And that that idea of being the first person to set foot in this place and to transform it and to have it in this kind of way, this parallel Earth, I just think was a, a cool twist on a on a tried and true yeah, definitely. kind of device. Um, how did you feel about the kind of non-linear reverse linear? I, I really like the structure. I, I tried to think of different ways to describe it because it is odd, but it is kind of reverse chronology working its way back from a year to like moments before the shift. Yeah. Um, so it's a kind of back to a day maybe to the shift. So it, it works its yeah. way backwards from being sort of semi-established to their first arrival and then retells that, sort of reverse chronological jump through different perspectives of different characters, including, um, is she Sharon? Absolutely. Yes. She's Sharon. And, uh, she becomes the sort of de facto leader of the group. And we meet the scientist who kind of invented the technology and, and found earth Two, and kind of his progression. And also that of, what initially we believe to be Sharon's son, mm. but appears to be um, having been randomly selected in the 50% population is just a kind of random kid <laughs> that's uh, that's pulled with them and, and Sharon has adopted. He's called Ardy, right? Yes. There we go. Uh, and then in the last two pages, it's kind of a two years later shift. Mm. Um, and the big twist <laughs> Angela should have been here for this. Dinosaurs, baby. There are still dinosaurs, dinosaurs on Earth too. Somehow in some way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it ends with them just being in a society completely in symbiosis with Earth 2 riding dinosaurs around. What could what more could you ask for? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I think the the art and the colouring in this, I think, is really, really excellent. It's really detailed, and just all of the shading and stuff, and the colours are really vibrant. Yeah, it's the art is good. It's very, in, in very much like the art. Um, I feel like I feel like this is very similar to some of the artists that work with Vault and Aftershock. This could even be an artist that works with Vault and Aftershock. Mm-hmm. Um. But this was an interesting one, and I feel like while some of the stories felt like they had quite a strong message and some of the stories felt like they were quite quite straightforward in a lot of ways, I feel like this is a story that could have been way longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like you could have easily been like a trade with its own rights of telling the story. And who knows, maybe it will be at some point. That's the kind of world we live in these days. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack, and I feel like the more I read this, the more I'll probably, I, I would probably gain from it. Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to have seen this as a as an expanded story, but I think they get the points across in the in the pages they've got. They do, and they have triceratops, and they have triceratops as sort of like pets and stuff. So, so I can't knock it, can you? <laughs> you can't. I love it. <laughs> um 
So on that note of notes, mine is incidentally the next story. The very next story. Nailed it. Uh, which is The Garden by Stephanie Phillips, Zoe Thorogood, and lettered by ALW's Troy Pateri. And I don't know what ALW is, but I need to know. (laughs) I wonder why that's... Like, in this, it's ALW's Troy Pateri, but in The Invasion, which he also lettered, just Troy Pateri. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Anyway, it just I recognised his name. It's, it's, <laughs> sure, it's sure not, it <laughs> not probably not important, but it's the kind of trivial thing that, of course, will uh, keep me awake at night. Yeah. Um. So this is quite a straightforward story. It's quite a brief one as well, really, um, about the kind of perfect, perfect Earth, um, and a, a day in the park, only to be revealed that there is a bunker under the park. Just, uh, just full of humans in gas masks because um, they think the, the world's ended. <laughs> uh, and they, they emerge from under the ground to just check in. It's been 10 years. There was a war happening last they checked and they assumed um, that there was going to be radiation and, a, a, you know, toxic wasteland. And there's not because the robots they left behind to, like, fight their war. Yeah, to fight their war and maintain the world, decided just just not to, and to just chill and have a go at world peace in what can only be described as kind of like World War Two outfits, I guess the fashion. I, I assume this is meant to be like World War Two era, and everyone just decided to chill out, it looks not, like not it. develop fashion, because do robots care? And <laughs> That's it, from the way the sort of robots are dressed and the kind of technology the gas masks and that sort of stuff it looks that era but of course they have also built these entirely sentient robots that figure out world peace so and have usb sticks so and have usbs in their arm <laughs> which would be super useful wouldn't it I, I think it would help if i could just upload this directly into my arm rather than having to have a tablet um <laughs> or, or the physical book because i have that as well i don't know um but i i really liked this i thought it was simple enough the kind of Robots just decided, no, peace, actually. It's easy, isn't it? It's, you know, it's your responsibility now that you know, but up until that point. Um, I, just a good, simple story. I think um, yeah. I've read a few of Stephanie Phillips' books now, and I think I'm pretty into the stuff she's been doing, and I think I'll eagerly have more. Zoe Thorogood's artwork is strange but i like it a lot i i can't think of how else to describe it people people look quite flat if that is that yeah. an insane statement i don't no, i think that i think that's a lot in the coloring as well there's there's very little shading it's just mostly yeah. line work and then relatively like you say kind of flat colors on it that that definitely makes more sense than what I said. Um, th- there's also a single page panel that's like a shot of the, like a cross section of the bunker and all the ladders leading out of it and the yeah. uh, room full of bin bags. And just thought that was really well done and really, yeah, the, ki- it, the kind of thing I always like. It reminded me of um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. 
yeah the Wes anderson film uh, which is one of my absolute favorites so that's good that's a good thing that that is a good thing um but i just really liked this i thought it was nice straightforward simple and kind of had the just just the overall hope that is advertised with these both this and the all we ever made all we ever wanted anthology mm-hmm. where everything is hopeful and just the idea that maybe everything will be okay and we don't have to all die in a war perhaps not <laughs> Is hoping, but I, I kind of like the part of the final message as well. Is it's when the the humans incredulously asked, "So you're just going to what like fix everything and give us this utopia?" And the android says, "This no. is just this is just sort of the template. Mm. Uh, no garden can flourish without maintenance." I think that's a a nice sentiment to leave it on. Like this isn't easy. Like, you've got yeah. to work at this, but it is worth it. It's worth getting there. Um, I, I agree. I think it's, it's a good message and it is ultimately the right level of message. I think we see some stories across the, the anthology that are kind of, and the world was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Hey, I'm, I'm not criticizing. I, I, I get it, but I, I think it's nice to have a, and the world is perfect, but you're going to have to work on it still. It's yeah. I think sometimes if you just land it too perfectly, it sort of trivializes the struggle. Yeah. And I think the idea that, Hey, it's perfect right now. And it only took 10 years, but you could screw this up again. Humans, yeah. guys are trash. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I big fan of the creative team and I think they work really well together and big fan of the overall, albeit quite brief story. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, I think I'm afraid I'm going to break the trend. I think my pick is not the next story. And I think one of your picks is a previous story. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so my, I, that's true. My next pick is the next story. This is... Yeah, ruin the running order. Never mind, chaos. it's not my turn. <laughs> <laughs> so my next pick is The Medium is the Message. It's a slightly, uh, is the message. slightly hard one to describe, but it mm. seems to be about a covert agency um, called Narrative who control or at least monitor all the various dimensions. Yes. As far as they can with infinite dimensions. But, is all, but then is shown kind of through the lens of comic books uh in particular you have the message who is clearly a superman analog Mm -hmm. and in order to fix his latest crisis which is never described but really doesn't need to be (laughs) you know what that's going to be um looks to these other dimensions and to kind of his comic book counterparts to see if he can find a solution yeah what i really liked about this is a lot of the time when um, when comics and comic culture are referenced in comics, mm. it's often sort of quite self-effacing and poking fun at comic culture. Yeah. Um, and can often be a little bit negative as well. Like, despite the fact that I really like it, that I've just described the boys and sort of... You have. 
within <laughs> within its world rips into the, the the worst parts of comic culture and uh, the comic market. Mm. As where this just decides to look at the positives and how comics can be uh, a good, like a force for good in the world in, in various different ways. And I guess by extension, like art in general, like art as an idea and a movement. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely through the lens of a huge love of comics. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. It made me, obviously in a more, you know, fictitious way, um, did make me think of like uh, Fred Van Lente's, um, oh, what are they called? The like comic book history of comics. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like an alternative reality version of that. Um, and that is incredibly cool and completely bizarre. It's <laughs> so, so like seeing the comic book history of worlds that don't exist is really interesting and the fact that we see blatant references to other comics so we see like the peanuts reference and the calvin and Hobbes and yeah just good stuff yeah um but i also i think it shows kind of a love for also diversity in comics and the different yeah different forms that comics can take uh they don't just settle on the sort of super superhero element of it um, it just yeah, it just feels like a real celebration of comics and art in general as a as a broadly positive thing for the world. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think doing that kind of investigation of how other comics exist and how other comics could have existed is mm-hmm. is really cool and different. And the fact that it doesn't have a conclusive ending and is quite no, we haven't solved your crisis, but. Yeah, it's also very unclear as to how this was going to help. I think I don't know. At the end, they hold hands and uh, comic book characters turn up, but like she says, by the end, the comic just has a happy ending. Like, yeah, everything works out. Things have a way of working itself out. Yeah, Which, it, it's really cool. It's really interesting. This was yeah, this was also on my longer list. I I liked this a lot. Um, Hard to pin down how to talk about it because it's such a... It's a weird, almost non-story, I guess, in a way. Yeah, it's just... It's a look into these little sort of dimensions and a window in, and then a story about how comics affected that world. Like, in the first one, it's a universe in which everything just went right. There are no wars, no crime. And because of that, there was no news, and therefore everything that they put in the news is just comic strips because there's, there's nothing else to write about. Which, which is great. And then we see like the world where every, where comics were used for historical purposes. And then ultimately what happens when you finished history? Well, you start predicting the future, start man. Predicting the future. Yeah. Or one where the government create a, a sort of fascist pro government character mm-hmm. and the kind of world of indie comics rises up and, uh, reinstates you know like freedom and liberty they're just they're positive like little mini stories i think that just highlight a different bit of the good part of comics yeah and there's definitely glimpses of real comic book history so from kind of i think it was will eisner who talks about how you know 
sequential art started as cave paintings, which we see reflected here. We see the kind of alt comics movement reflected here with the political stuff, the comic strips. We do get a history of comics. It's just not the way you might expect. <laughs> no, just a, a fantastical lens, but it looks really great. And I'm a big fan of comics, both from the stories and the characters, but as a broad medium as well. And I, I really enjoy these celebrations. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think it's nice sometimes to just acknowledge that comics, comics are good. Comics be good. Comics or they be can good. be. <laughs> that's true. They can be. They're not always, but sometimes on a good day. <laughs> so my, my next shout is the opt-out, which uh, falls on immediately from the garden, if uh, Will could please keep up with the uh, regime we have here. <laughs> um, the opt-out is by Natasha Alterici and arted by Martin Simmons, with letters by Jim Campbell, who I think has appeared previously as well as a letterer. Indeed. Um, both Natasha Alterici and Martin Simmons, we've talked about the art and writing of in the past and um i like some both so the opt-out is the story of a man a consumer if you will judging by his uh, name tag bit weird and <laughs> um, wandering into a shopping mall that is kind of dominated by two companies the old-fashioned refreshments company and the big green corporation and kind of centers on his walk through this shopping mall where they well representatives from each company try and just sell him stuff anything um, and everything yeah because they they need to figure out what he wants because consumerism um and they're trying to sign phones and water and drinks and water is a drink yes shut up <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah you know then they realize he's hungry and they're trying to sell him burgers and organic locally sourced salads and then off the back of it he just goes you know what no i'm good i'm gonna leave and I'm going to go out into this nice garden full of people just farming. and People, nature, community. Yeah, cheap. Yeah. I think the message, again, is, is quite clear on this one, is the sort of uncontrolled monopoly. Yeah. And is bad for the soul. <laughs> which, you know, just, just hitting you with the facts, I think, yeah. in this one. Um, but I, I, I don't know. There's... I don't know if it's the fact that it is really well-written and really well-drawn that got me, or the fact that it is just the honesty of kind of saying, like, no matter how the corporation presents itself, they're still probably a giant evil corporation. And the fact that you get valid questions like, how is the locally sourced organic salad more expensive than the cheap frozen burger? And it's like how um and asking the questions of like yeah now well where have you got tomatoes from when if it's a seasonal salad and it's winter what the hell man uh, <laughs> which is it's all valid good questions i think it's full of like valid questions to ask of the larger corporate world we're imprisoned in points <laughs> out many of the things that we just take for granted don't we that that's just how things are. It's how we buy things and it's how they're produced. And there's a, a real acceptance of that. Um, yeah. And, and this consumer decides not to, 
I like I really like how it boils down to just two companies. Like they've swallowed up everything else. So big green and old fashioned are it. Like there's basically the the redneck and the hipster. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's it. That's all that's left. And there's you know there's there's a certain recognizability in that amongst yeah. <laughs> the company yeah. that tries to appeal to your nostalgia and the one that tries to appeal to the future and uh, both are kind of hollow. Yeah, and I I just. I don't have a lot to say. I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you, but I just thought this completely nailed what it was getting at. Yeah, in terms of execution of a premise, it, it's it's perfect, isn't it? Like the message is loud and clear, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. It's not full of exposition. It's just very clever in its dialogue and tells you what it needs to just through conversation. Yeah, which is for something that is essentially quite a long conversation. I think it works. Um, also, as we said, we mentioned in January, I think it was, that we would happily read something from Natasha Alterici. And now we have. I, th- I think this works. I think this is good. And um, mine, Simmons' artwork as well. I don't know if it's just me, but it is real different here at times than we've seen in Frendo. And mm-hmm. I think a lot comes down to the colouring, which I don't know yeah. if Frendo, which he did himself, or whether that. Yeah, that's it, a good point. I'm not sure. I, I feel like it's just stylized differently if he called mm-hmm. them both himself. There's, don't wrong, there's clear similarities in this moments. It, it even looks like the guy from the uh, Big Green Corporation is wearing the like, Frendo-style glasses. Yeah, he does look a little similar. <laughs> um, which I'm, I'm going to assume is intentional. I certainly hope so. There's definitely some um, evil corporation undertones in Frendo. Not not tones actually. There's there's just some evil corporations in front of. <laughs> yeah. Realize like no no not tones. Yeah, it's not That's a metaphor. just the plot to the book. They're just evil um, corporations. But yeah, um, a lot of love for the opt out. I think maybe it's just the place we're in right now as as a people and the the world we're in. But yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, so my fifth and final pick is The Heroic Truth, um, written by Aubrey Citizen and Nick Pyle, mm-hmm. uh, with letters by Taylor Esposito, our favourite. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a hard one to describe what the story is about. I'm just going to sit back and let it roll. So I'm not sure I'm going to. What you, <laughs> What you get is the near wordless kind of battle and quest between two robot knight wizard warriors could be quite sure what they are i don't think it matters (laughs) (laughs) i i appreciate the effort you have gone to to try but ultimately narrow that down these guys clearly don't get on have a fight in which one of them loses an arm he then comes back to sacrifice his own arm in kind of recompense. Um, wanders the land, has a premonition or, or a kind of epiphany. Yep. Comes back to his old fella who, uh, who he's been fighting with. Now they only have one arm each. Just the right amount to shake hands with. Uh, and then they go about kind of plowing the earth and growing life instead of continuing. One assumes they're 
eternal cosmic battle that's been going on for millennia. Yes, I, I think that is a as close to a description of this book as we're going to get. Um, yeah, it's an odd one. And on top of all of that, there's just um, kind of text boxes with kind of philosophical musings about individuality and cooperation and kind of purpose and fellowship. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this would work as like a silent story. I mean, it almost is. I think the main character, whatever that name might be, says no twice. And that's it. I think that's it. And yeah, Aubrey Citizen's narration is like a real, huh, okay. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for it. I think the narration is good. Um, Much like we said about Unwritten, I feel like the narration and the art are almost happening independently of each other. Mm-hmm. But I... I like it, and I think uh, Nick Pyle's artwork is like it's it's a lot to unpack. It is the most cosmic of. I think it's my favorite art in the book. Like it's it's super individual, and like you say, it's, it's really detailed. The colors are insane. It's like a kaleidoscope. Um, it <laughs> reminds me of. Not that I really have read a great deal, but like old heavy metal. Yes. Um, it reminds me of heavy metal. And is it um, Space Riders that's been coming out through Black Mask, which is like... Yeah. It's kind of that old sort of British indie style, like kind of British sci-fi it made me think of. Yeah. And it's got like a very simple color palette to it, which is like blindingly neon. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and I mean that in the best possible way. It's, yeah. I feel like this is the kind of book that could give you a headache if you stare at it too long. And again, a, that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a slight, um, like copra vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily in the colors, but colors, but certainly in the drawing. Um, really like eighties, as you said, like neon nightmare. Yeah, I, I can see this being, like, drawn on the side of some guy's van. <laughs> Definitely. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I just I thought both the, the philosophizing is really good, and, like, I agree with the, with, with the points that are being made. <laughs> yeah, but really, so like, it was the art that tipped this for me. I just think it's, it looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that we, we've got a lot of love for Aubrey Citizen, but yeah, on this one, I feel like he's he's doing a great job with the narration, but Nick Pyle is killing it on the art. I mean, if that had no words whatsoever, I think I'd have still enjoyed it. Um, quite possibly. I, I would gladly see a longer collaboration from these two. Mm-hmm. Hell, I'd gladly, gladly see a longer version of this story. Just, yeah. just two guys wailing on each other for all eternity. <laughs> Until they have a little robot baby. And start a farm. Collect know. light bulbs from trees. I don't get it, but it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those where it's like, <laughs> I, I love it. It's amazing. But every bit of it was like, huh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but. I'm not cool. sure how to interpret these things, <laughs> but five stars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I 
we're, we're going to say it probably about this entire volume, but I feel like I'm going to come back to a lot of these stories again in the future. And I feel like it's the kind of thing where I will like read something else and it will remind me of something here and I'll want to check it out again. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of book that I want other people to read so I can then just talk about it again. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it is now up on Comicsology, so um, people can do yeah. that. People should do that. Um, so I, I have one more story left. You've got one more to pick. One more. Uh, and my last pick is Conflicted by Darren Bennett, Marika Cresta, with, that, that's writing and arting, respectively, uh, with Gab Contreras on Colours and shuffle Peterson on flats with letters by aw's dc hopkins what the hell is aw aw's back um i feel like there's going to be a really obvious answer to what all these little like alw aw things are and i wonder if there's like a letters union <laughs> and this, Could is, be. this is the union they come from it bothers me though that this is AWs and the previous one was ALWs, and it's like, are they the same? Was this just? Is it a disagreed upon? I don't know. That's not the point. The we'll point, never know. We'll, oh, I'm going to find out. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the story here is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. So it is about a girl who i don't think is named who is trying to write a school report on the biggest challenges being faced globally and conflict resolution (laughs) the problem being that they live in a you know awesome futuristic utopia and everything's rad (laughs) um so her mum kind of advises her like you know hey do you know look into the past you'll learn something from history and you'll see how conflicts were resolved um so she does some googling for problems solved 500 years ago mm-hmm. and kind of discovers climate change corruption disease poverty and racism and mm-hmm. i'm sure i'm sure others those are just the uh, ones we get and kind of you know gets real sad about all of these things and the mum's like, you know, you know, have to, everything gets better because of love. And that's that's just a really good message. But it's a nice it, message. It, I think it, I, I liked this so much because it's kind of, whilst simplified, does show how absolutely ridiculous some of the problems we face now are. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you put them, when you put them on paper... And look at them with logic. You think, how have we ended up here? Yeah, how how are we still struggling with any of this? How well, <laughs> you know, it's like how how are we still struggling with racism or poverty or disease? Well, disease. Okay, that's I guess that's more of a slow. That's a harder to harder to control. That's, that's a slow c- certainly, yes, like but... as you say, poverty is something that should have j- just have stopped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got, and I, got I, the I ability like, to do that. I, I feel like we should have really, you know solved racism by now what people are they've done it in star trek by god yeah and what i i was told by a media teacher many moons ago that sci-fi predicts the future how did we get picard's fucking ipads before people fixed racism and money (laughs) because they were way more important to the plot of star trek than picard having an ipad that's true 
But corruption and greed is way more important to most sci-fi. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> Star Trek was kind of the outlier of being the positive future. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's... I'll tell you what this reminded me of when she's uh, the unnamed uh, schoolgirl looks up the past. It reminded me a lot of Fifth Element. Okay. When, uh, yeah. yeah. Multipass, multipass, which is her full name, um, looks through the history of the world and it's just all like just war and hate. Yeah. And then loses her mind. And it, it has that similar similar vibe of just filtered history and you just take all the negative stuff. Yeah. And I agree, actually. Yeah. I think the Fifth Element comparison does definitely work. I hadn't thought about that. Well done, Will. <laughs> I'm always thinking about the fifth element in one way or another. <laughs> With good reason, it's great. Um, but I, I just thought this, whilst a lot of the stories we get here are kind of big sci-fi stories or s- small sci-fi stories, this is almost a slice of life, hopeful future story. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to process as a sentence. That's a lot, a lot to digest. I'll ask you one question. When the girl types in, you can see what she's typing. Mm. And in order to kind of resolve the situation, her mum types in love in 2020s. And we get a little sort of collage about, like you said earlier, how can it love saves the day? Yeah. I can't. Did you read love in 2020s with the melody from love in an elevator? Because now you will. <laughs> I, I did not, but thank you for once again using Aerosmith to ruin the day. <laughs> oh, it's there forever. Um, yeah, that's going to be burning into my mind. Loving twenty twenties. Um, Good night, children. Wow, Queen and Aerosmith all in one podcast episode. Was the world ready? Um, We're such young men. <laughs> So that that is the end of our lists. I I feel like we could have talked about every single story in yeah, maybe someday. And, and that's it. I want to repeat like there's not a bad story in here, but uh just for the sake of time we had to narrow it narrow it to just a handful of picks, but uh no fully recommended, well worth a read for anybody, I think. Yeah. Um I mean just flicking through like what the pages are that we've not talked about there's stuff pages the stories we've not talked about um there's really simple things in here that are awesome like unwritten as we've said was a weird combination but i think it was good um (laughs) but really likes birthday surprise actually which is a kind of latter story i think it's one of the last like two or three um but yeah, just nice, optimistic sci-fi from start to finish. And yeah, definitely would recommend everybody yeah. picking this up. And incredibly strong art pretty much throughout. Like uh, there was a story early on droplets that we haven't touched on um, with art by Isaac Goodhart and written by Connor Knudsen. I'll go through the rest now, Mir. <laughs> Colors by uh <laughs> Gab Contreras with flats by Cheffel Peterson and oh great letters by Taylor Esposito. I think I need to start um, monetizing that somehow. 
Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if we can get a kickback from Taylor every time we say his name. <laughs> um, uh, but I, think I that... don't know if, if any of us would benefit from that realistically. But... Yeah. yeah, no. But that the art in that reminded me a lot of Profit. Okay, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Biotechnology. Yeah, it, it's superb. It's really great and um, really varied. Yeah, um, and while we haven't mentioned every story, I, uh, there isn't a bad one among it, as we've both said frequently yeah. in this episode. Um, I the with the Kickstarter, I ended up getting the deal that got me the most books because that's who I have become. Um, so all we ever wanted, loved and lost, and this nightmare kills fascists, which I particularly like the name of because it sounds like. Um, the name of a song by some kind of post-hardcore band I would have definitely listened to. Yeah, if absolutely. I, I think that that's worth pointing out. Every single name here <laughs> yeah. does sound like a title from a post-hardcore band. The whole thing has a kind of sense of optimistic punk. Yeah, and that's what I'm here for, so yeah. sweet. Um, but I, I like to think we'll check out some of their Kickstarters in the future and mm, probably definitely. talk about some of these other books in the future let's be honest yeah most definitely um so on that note we've been will and zach this has been bigger than capes and remember that comics are bigger than capes bigger than capes, bigger than capes. <laughs>